Lord, we thank you so much that we have a season of expectation. Lord, because at just the right time you entered into the world. Lord, we thank you that, that you are a God that even though we were very far from you, God, that was not the end of the story. Lord, but you brought us near. Lord, regardless of how much it costs, you crossed endless boundaries so that we could be near to you and we could have a relationship with you. Lord, there are countless needs represented in this building alone. God, where we are waiting in eager expectation for you to show up in our situation. Lord, we're waiting for you to show up in our finances and in our jobs. God, we may be waiting for you to show up in the lives of our families and our friends. God, we may be waiting for you to show up with, within our men mental illnesses. God, but we know that you are an omnipresent Lord. God, that you saw exactly where we were going to be today. Lord, and the reality is, is that you have come to meet us here. Not just because it's Sunday, but because you love us. Lord, I pray that this time would be a time set apart, God, where only your voice is spoken. God, where only your truth is seeped into our hearts. Lord, we, we have many reasons to think of anything else but you right now. God, but we trust you so much that we are laying those aside. God, that we are leaning into what you have for us. God, and we want to hear what you have to say. Lord Jesus, I pray that during this time, you would allow us to clear the clutter and to focus on you. God, we love you so much. We trust you with our biggest situations and our tiniest ones. Jesus, would you be about anchor today? It's in your precious and holy name. Amen. Have a seat. Well, good morning. Um, wow. I can like kind of feel the heat from these candles. That's good. So I have a question uh, that you may not answer, want to answer right away, but you could. Is anybody a good catcher in here? Like if something's thrown to you, you're going to catch it? Okay, I got a couple. I got a couple. All right, um, let me ask it one more time. Is anybody a good catcher in here? <laughs> Like that when people get, when somebody tosses you something, <laughs> so when somebody tosses you something, you're going to catch it, right? Who, who, who's my brave soul this morning? Ah, there we are. Come up here, Mr. Greg. All right, so, uh, well, yeah, let's give him an applause. Give him an applause. So, <laughs> so we're going to have a very simple game here. Okay, I'm going to toss you the water balloon. You're going to catch it. And then, event, like, as we progress, it's going to get a little more difficult. I have a couple balloons, so. you got lots of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day. It'll be fun. I, no, he does not get to throw it back. 
because I'm not a good catcher. Oh, I'm so, but I'm a good thrower. Okay. Sometimes. I noticed that for the eggs. Yeah, um, <laughs> we might. So if you want to start off, like maybe second row, second row. I think that's that's a good. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm going to toss this to you, and you can catch it, and then give it to somebody in the crowd. They can have it. Okay, ready? Oh, nice, nice. Go ahead, give it to somebody. <laughs> Hopefully my sermon's good. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So let's let's back it up. Yeah, that's no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Do you trust that I can throw it that far? Okay, I kind of do. I'm shaking a little bit because I'm nervous for you. Oh ho! We got another one. Okay, maybe two rows this time. Let's go right next to Heidi. She's pretty excited. <laughs> okay, all right. Ooh, I feel like I'm having like a feel the dreams moment. Okay, ready? Ho-ho! Okay, two more rows, two more rows. Oh, Lord, okay. I'm not even Catholic, but I'm going to do this, okay. All right, ready? Are you ready? I'm not ready. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Um, maybe if you want to move, like, a little behind the people. I, I think it could be, what? No, 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 no. Yeah, I think you should stand behind Summer. Uh, <laughs> all right, now let's see if I can really throw it. I love you, Summer. Oh, no! <laughs> Okay, okay, I have one more, I have one more. I have one more. Okay, maybe I should do it over. Okay, are you ready? Okay. That wasn't Greg's fault. Okay. <laughs> that was, all right, give, give Greg a round of applause. That was good. That was good, thank you. Thank you so much for volunteering in my... My insanity, that's great. <laughs> well, I, <w> <laughs> uh, I now realize that I loaded the audience. Okay. Um, welcome to week three. How do you even segue from that? I don't know. Um, but welcome to week three of There is Still Hope for Christmas. And today, the reason I bring the balloons and have him back up slowly and slowly is because in order to start our conversation today, we have to talk about something called the intertestamental period. And that is the space between your Bible, between Nehemiah, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Now, in this scenario, if we had an analogy, I would say that I am God, which I'm not, but I am God, and Greg represents Israel. And the further that, that Greg gets away from me, the harder to believe that I'm A, going to throw it straight and towards him, and B, that he's going to actually catch it, right? And so the intertestamental period, it is between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and within that, sandwiched between those two pages of your Bible, that represents 400 years of history. 400 years of history. 400 years, and one thing that you'll notice between those two pages is that God says absolutely nothing within those 400 years. 
No longer are we throwing a message from a couple feet away. No, this is me saying to you, Greg, go 400 feet away. Go 400 miles away. And can you still catch it? And do you still trust me that I'm going to throw it? See, the longer, of the, time, or the longer time that passes, the harder it gets to believe that I'm actually going to get it to him, right? Uh, it's the same thing is true when you're in a relationship with somebody. The closer you are with them, the more you trust them. And the more that you distance yourself, the less you trust them, right? So our story today, we find it after 400 years of silence from God. And he finally breaks his silence. No water balloons included. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 5. If you have your Bibles and you want to pull them out, if you don't have your Bibles, raise your hand and Kurt will bring you one. But Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says, When Herod was king of Judea, he was a Jewish priest. Or, sorry, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Zechariah, or sorry, Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So our first like, key things that we have to know about this story is that King Herod was the king at the time of Judea. Now, King Herod was a deputy of the Roman Empire. So he was sent to rule the Jewish people under Roman authority, which often ended in violence and death. And so this is a time where the nation of Israel feels incredibly vulnerable. Like they can't even uh, guide their own nation. The other thing that we have to realize is that introduced is Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it says that they're from the lineage of Aaron, which would have been very significant at that time. Because Aaron was from Moses. And Moses is like the most illustrious character in all of the Bible up until this point. They were special people. They were guaranteed a spot as priests, or priest, not Elizabeth. And so they were set apart. They were godly people. It says that they sought out and they maintained all of the commandments of God and regulations. They were good humans. But then it says that they did not have any children. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were about 60 years old, and they had not had any children. Now, in our day and age, we kind of talk about that and we say, well, there's other options you could adopt or whatnot. For them, it was looked at like God was punishing them. That, that God was somehow giving them theirs. And, and for this, I would be confused. You know, they're from a good family. He's a priest. They got a good job. They're good people. They're following God relentlessly. And yet, for some reason, it's not good enough. And this is where we find Elizabeth and Zechariah. Verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was, were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Now, this may seem like a really normal occurrence uh, for priests to be in the temple, but it really wasn't. 
uh, the priests, there were so many of them, that they divided them up into 24 different groups. And of those groups, each group would get one week a year to go and take care of the temple. And so each group had about maybe 10 to 15 guys in it that were all priests. And so that group would get selected to go take care of the temple. And then, if this wasn't even as bad enough, they would roll dice to see who got to go into the temple itself. The other guys just helped on the outside. Now, we've talked about the temple before and how it's about the same size as our sanctuary. And towards the back, uh, that we could say is our stage this morning, is the Holy of Holies. And this is where the Lord's presence rested. This is where the Ark of the Covenant, where incense, where showbread, where all those things were kept. And there would be a huge, thick veil in front of the Holy of Holies. And you didn't want to get picked to go back there, if we're honest. Because that meant that you were blameless, and you could prove it. You could walk into the presence of the Lord, and he wouldn't strike you dead. And so what this means for Zechariah is that of the group, oh, and also, you only get to do this once in your entire lifetime. You get one shot as a priest to walk back there. And so Zechariah, they roll the dice, and it's him. Like his number's up, you know? <laughs> and, and so what would happen next is that they would tie bells to the bottom of his robe, kind of like a cat leash kind of thing. Like, got to make sure where you are and what you're doing and make sure that you're still moving, <laughs> okay? Uh, and then they would add a rope and tie it around his ankle and hold on to the other side. Just in case Zechariah dropped dead behind the curtain, nobody was going to pull out his dead body by going in there. <laughs> And so, with fear and trembling and intense, like, how in the world did this happen? He walks into the presence of God for the first time and the only time in his life. And think about this. Groups of priests, many priests in one group, once in your entire lifetime, and if you doubt the big man, zap. And with fear and trembling, he walks into the temple. Verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers of their, to their children, and he will cause others who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And just like that, the silence of God is shattered. And an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah. It says that there was a multitude of people gathered around the Holy of Holies praying Listen, God hadn't spoken for 400 years. They probably weren't praying for God to speak. They were praying that Zechariah got out alive. 
Zechariah enters into the Holy of Holies with absolutely no expectation to hear from God. Zechariah enters into the Holy of Holies much like we enter into our church some Sundays. Where we walk in, you know, by some grace of God, we get here on early and we have brushed our teeth, you know, and we get to our seats and we talk to the folks around us and we, we listen to a sermon, but maybe never really expect for anything to change. Maybe never really expect for God to even say anything. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, where the Lord, you're in this moment and you think, you're probably going to be silent. You're probably not going to say anything. And this isn't just Zechariah. This is the entire nation of Israel. They think, "Eh, probably nothing's going to happen. And what happens is that an angel of the Lord, he shows up and he says, actually, I got a plan for you, right? All right, verse 18, it says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. And this is where he's incredibly smart. And my wife is also along in years. (laughs) Smart man. I'm old, but my wife is well along in years. But he says, how can this actually happen? Do you realize how old we are? The odds are stacked against us. And Zachariah, he's incredibly rattled by this. You know, he's shook. He's in awe. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you're like approaching 60 or maybe you pass 60, If you were sitting at home, you know, on the couch watching Dancing with the Stars or something, you know, angel of the Lord appears to you, says your wife is pregnant, ooh, there may be a lot of emotions, but joy ain't one of them, right? You know, (laughs) what does that even look like moving forward? You know, Elizabeth says to her friends, hey, we're pregnant, it's a boy, we're registered at Target, you can buy us both diapers, you know? (laughs) Like, how does this play out? You're thinking, how in the world could this happen? And Zechariah, he's completely and utterly shocked, and for good reason. You know, if you were at that age, and I mean, if my dad, Lord help him, he's 62, if he had a two-year-old right now, I don't even know how we would do that. And you know, you, like, as a, as a true parent, which the purpose of having children is to have grandchildren, obviously, he's thinking, I'm going to be dead before they even come. This, this is insane. And, and that is just the start of it. The angels start saying, not only are you going to have a son, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which up until this point, nobody's experienced the Holy Spirit without some serious consequences. Sometimes death. He's going to preach with the power of Elijah. He will pre- and Elijah called down fire from heaven. Like, yikes! He says he will prepare the hearts of the nation of Israel. And he is in complete and utter shock. Have you ever been there before? Where the Lord does something and you're just like, whoa, give me a minute. <laughs> and, and I would love to say that I'm like so holy by now that the Lord never surprises me. You know, I would love to say that like, he never, ever catches me off guard. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but that just isn't true, is it? You know, he still finds a way to totally catch me off guard. And I'm a pastor. I, every single week, I get a front row view to how God is answering your prayers. Every single week. And tell me if I'm the only one, but there are times, though, that I go to prayer and I say, okay, God, I'm going to pray for this, but I'm not really expecting you to answer. 
Lord, you and I both know that this isn't really going to happen. But I'll pray the prayer. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah to see the Lord face to face. If you had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get coffee with Jesus, you might have joy, you might have gladness, it might be the most greatest thing you've ever done in your life. But also, you're going to bring your biggest prayer request, are you not? (laughs) You're going to bring the big one. And so as Zechariah approaches the holies of holies, he probably approaches us or it with the same way that we do. Lord, we're 60, like we're, the time has passed, the odds are, but we've been praying for years. Lord, my, my wife is depressed. I am disappointed. I don't know what else I can do, but, and I don't think you're going to answer, but Lord, I know you've been silent for 400 years. But maybe. And the angel of the Lord he shows up and he says, you will have a son. And Zechariah's response is absolute skepticism. He says, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? How can I be sure? You know, before I tell my wife, before I get my hopes up, before I think that this could possibly happen, if that's not a question from somebody that's been let down, I don't know what it is. This is what the angel says. And I think, I mean, give me some artistic liberties. He probably said it with some sass, okay? I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And this is like the ultimate play, okay? (laughs) Like like Zechariah, his name in Hebrew literally means God remembers. And the angel of the Lord says, you really going to ask that question? (laughs) Actually, don't ask anything else. Like, stop even talking. And he renders him mute until the baby is born. I don't know if you knew this, there's no, like, microwaves for babies. Like, they take a while to cook, right? You know, it it takes a long time, nine months to be exact. And and Elizabeth isn't even pregnant yet. And some of you guys that maybe have walked through pregnancy with your wife, you're like, this is more of a blessing than you realize. (laughs) If I could have been mute for those nine months, it would have saved my butt a couple times, right? You know, (laughs) says, no, you will not say a word until after this. And look at what happens next. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he had taken so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. When they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So it says that Elizabeth gets pregnant, as the Lord says. Zechariah, think about this, his last words were skepticism. His last words were questioning if God remembered him. 
God, can I really trust you? Put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. The Lord has not talked in ages. In 400 years, he has been silent. He walks through a crowd of people praying to God and cannot tell them he has just experienced. Uh, he watches as his wife finds out that she's pregnant, and he can't share why. He watches as the nation still waits in eager expectation and maybe even lowered expectations and can't say a word. And, and this is where you have to key in, in, is that Zechariah, he let his past of him being overlooked dictate his trust in God. Zechariah looks at years of mourning and grieving, being without children. He looks at the years of history. He looks at 400 years of silence. He sees countless times that his wife was disappointed and sad, and they thought, what is wrong with me? And he lets that dictate this moment. He says, that must be how God perceives me to be. I have been disappointed and overlooked my entire life. And yet in this moment, an angel of the Lord shows up to me. And the silence of God is completely shattered. And he says, I have seen you this entire time. I was waiting for this moment. In fact, you are going to bore the son that is John the Baptist that will proclaim that the Redeemer is coming. But in this moment of weakness, he's skeptical, and God removes his ability to speak. He says, you're not even able to express the joy of this moment. I'm going to answer your prayer, and right now, I need you to shh. And Zechariah, like, Lord knows, priests can speak, okay? <laughs> uh, he's rendered speechless. Have you ever been rendered speechless? You know, maybe even rendered powerless? You know, you've been handed something that is impossible, and you thought only happens in movies and in other people's lives, but not yours. And you've been rendered powerless. Our society is built on people that say they can pick themselves up by their bootstraps and keep marching. But have you ever been to a place where that's just not possible? Where I can't do that? Where despite my best efforts, can't just keep pushing forward. Maybe you find yourself in a circumstance like that today, where you have been stripped of all control and all power of a situation, and you've been rendered speechless. See, this morning, the good news is that there is still hope when you feel powerless. There is still hope. Let me say it just one more time. There is still hope when you feel powerless. Because God displays his strength in our powerlessness. Zechariah, he asks, how can I be sure that you will help? And God's answer is, because I'm going to do this without your help. <laughs> Watch me move. Uh, Jennifer Whitson, she did a study that she split two different groups of people apart. And she wanted to prove... What makes people make outlandish claims and connections about the world around them? And in one group, she gave them absolute control. And they said, you are empowered and you can control all of the situation that you are in. 
And in the, then in the other one, she made them feel small. She made them feel out of control of their situation. And then what she did is that she took a picture of absolute static and showed it to both groups. What she found is that the people that felt in control of their circumstances, they didn't see a thing. But the folks that were completely out of control, they saw pictures that weren't there. Listen to what she says. She says, in short, people who felt that the world was beyond their control became so hungry for patterns and connections that their minds started just making them up. Zechariah, the nation of Israel, they felt so out of control of their circumstances that they started drawing their own conclusions. That God wasn't going to speak again. That, that we were not going to have a child. That the Lord wasn't going to save Israel. That God had left us high and dry. He had drawn his own conclusions that his prayers probably aren't getting answered. And when we're powerless, we find ourselves there too. Lord, I know what I'm asking. You're probably not going to answer. And we draw conclusions about what God thinks of us. That whole culture drew a conclusion about what God thought of Elizabeth. That she was not worthy of a child. And yet God says no. In your powerlessness, no. Don't draw conclusions about me. Watch my strength. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. See, God displays his mercy in our powerlessness. Like, like let's just pause here for a moment. Zechariah walks into the Holy of Holies, and he doubts God, and he lives to tell the tale nine months later. <laughs> right? You know, he walks in there, and says, Lord, how can I be really sure that you're going to do anything? And what could have, like, none of the onlookers would have been surprised if he would have been rendered dead at that moment. And God shows mercy in that moment because his grace is sufficient. It is sufficient to carry you into the next season of your life. It is sufficient to walk you through this difficult one that you are in right now. It is, it is empowered and it is enough to give you a faith and a trust in a God that can be trusted. And because his, his grace is sufficient, that his mercies are new every single morning. And even though Zechariah, in his humanity, he says, Lord, how can I be sure that you're going to do this? The answer still is, because I am. Because I'm going to do this, Zechariah. Listen, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. When, when you are in a moment when your life is out of control, when things aren't going as planned, when you have no power left inside of you, when you are drained and you cannot fix yourself, the question that you are asking, the real question is, can I really trust God to show up? Can I really trust him to catch the balloon 400 yards away? Can I really trust him to show up even though the odds are against me, the statistics are down, 
even though my job is to trust him and I struggle to do that, will he still show up? Uh, We're going to end in a moment of worship, but before we do, I wanted to do a little bit of an experiment that doesn't have water balloons. What would it look like for us to have just some moments of unagended time with the Lord? where we weren't asking questions, but we just made ourselves available to listen. Listen, Zechariah, his life is changed by this moment of silence in his life. On one side, he starts with skepticism. After his baby is born, he prophesies about the coming Messiah. See, when we stop and we listen to what the voice of God is actually saying, great power can come from that. Great courage can come from that. Great strength is produced. This morning, before uh, we we close in in a song, I want to give just some time and some space for that silence. A lot of times we ask you to take a posture of prayer. And what that means for some of us is that we bow our heads in our seats. Sometimes we come forward to the altar. Maybe we raise our hands, signifying that we're receiving from God and ready to hear from him. This morning, I'm going to invite you into a posture of prayer. And I want to challenge you to maybe take a different one than you normally do. Maybe if you're the kind that sits at their chair, maybe today you're going to stand and raise your hands. Maybe you're going to come up to the altar. Maybe if you do that, maybe you're going to sit and kneel at your seats. But whatever that is, would you find yourself in that place right now? And I'm going to pray for us as we head into some silence time with the Lord to hear what he has to say. Lord, the thing about being silent, Lord, is that ultimately this is this is us surrendering control. Lord, we can't guide this moment. God, we can't pretend. Lord, throughout the week, I've been praying for each person that's in this building. God, that in this moment that you would speak to them. Lord, even if it's within the peace and the stillness of being quiet. God, your word says that you sing over us. God, that you bind the brokenhearted. Lord Jesus, that your grace is sufficient. God, as we enter into this time of margin, a time that is speechless, God, may we hear from you.